Give the choir a great hand. Man, that was good. Whew. I thought about just getting up here and giving an invitation after that song, man. Saved by grace. Aren't you glad that you're saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. We ought to be thankful. We ought to be praising His holy name. Some of us have a hard time even giving a disgruntled grunt when we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to be glad that He looked down upon us from heaven and saw us. You know, you said something a few minutes ago, seeing who we were. I'm glad most of you don't know who I was before I got saved. Because you probably wouldn't be willing to sit in here and listen to me preach the Word of God this morning. If you would... I'm going to start in a familiar uh, chapter of, of the book of Psalms, chapter 100. Read those. Go to several different uh, books today and sort of you try to keep up with me if you could. <clears throat> Pray for me. Hope my voice and my air holds out today. But I believe this sermon here will take us, in, it'll take us to a deep look into our heart in being thankful for what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. The psalmist wrote there, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness, with laughter there, if you translate that out. Come before His presence with singing, which we just did a marvelous job of singing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and to His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. How good a job are we doing at blessing the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? He closes out there, the psalmist closes out, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, His truth endureth to all generations. That mercy that He has is for each and every one of us that ever walked on this world, but there's a bunch that'll never take hold of that mercy and receive that grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll take a look at some people today that maybe, hopefully, prayerfully, we can learn from. Walking with a thankful heart is what I titled this message. And what does that mean? I, I thought about it. I looked up in the Webster's, and it says there, number one, an expression of gratitude. The second uh, uh, definition, that was a grateful acknowledgement of something received by or done for one. I like the Hebrew word, yea, to confess and give praise and offer thanks. That's where it comes from. What, what the Word of God there is saying that we're supposed to be offering Thanks. We're, all, we're supposed to be praising the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only when we're on the mountaintop, not only when he, when he gives us something great in our life, but we should be praising the Holy God each and every day of our life, each and every step that we take in our lives. Matter of fact, it rolls over out of word hail, which means to public worship and affirm and renew their relationship with God. I ask you this question this morning. Let's suppose that our house was on fire. We're, we're asleep in the bed and, and, and our neighbor comes over there and, and, and busts the door down and drags us out and helps us get out and, and saves us from burning up in that fire. Would you ever forget that neighbor? Would you ever not be thankful for what that neighbor did for you that night? Let me, let me ask you this. Every time that you thought about that fire, wouldn't you be thankful for that neighbor 
that saved you from being burnt alive. Man, I'm going to tell you something. The Lord Jesus Christ jerked us from a place called hell. We accepted him as our personal Lord and Savior. And you know something? We have a hard time in our lives being thankful when we just think about all the things that he's given to us. And the way that I believe he wants us to be thankful. I, I, I think about this, if you would. A thankful person will not complain. A thankful person will very seldom ever complain about anything. I had a dear friend in, in the church, and this friend of mine, he prayed and he prayed, and we prayed, and we begged God to give him a specific job that he wanted. And boy, I'm tell you something, with all of his heart, he prayed, and God gave him that job. And then after getting that job, you know something? It just wasn't what he thought it was made out to be. And he began to complain. He began to gripe about what was going on at work and everything. Let me say this to you. He wasn't truly thankful for that job that God gave him because he had a church. He had several churches praying and asking God to give him that specific job. You know what I found out later? We had a testimony night one night and he broke down and he began to weep. And he said, you know, I've become the greatest complainer there is in this church. And he said, I thought back and he said, I prayed and I've asked God to reveal to me my problem. And he said, this is what he revealed to me. He said, you know, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and God gave me that job. And he said, I took about 15 seconds or 30 seconds and I thanked him that day for giving me that job. And I've never been thankful again. I've never thanked him again for what he gave to me, specifically what I asked for. And a lot of times, that's what it's like in our lives. Boy, I tell you what, a thankful person is not a greedy person. A person that is a thankful person because he is uh, willing to give to God. Because God's given to him. Not greedy. Not greedy with our time. Not greedy with our talent. God's given each and every one of us a talent. But you know something, for many of us that are even sitting here today, I have no idea what your talent is because I've never seen you use your talent for the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't give you a talent to use it out there in the business world or this place or that place. He gave you the talent or the talents of your life to be used here for Him in this world. Not on the other side, because they know where the source comes from, the Lord, is the reason a thankful person is not greedy. I believe the third thing is a thankful person will always be ready to tell others what the Lord has done for them. How thankful are we today? How good a job are we doing in thanking the Lord by telling others what Christ did for each and every one of us? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, all ye people, the Bible says. If you would this morning, turn into your Bible to Luke chapter 17. I'd like to talk to us a little bit about those ten lepers there. The Bible there in, in, in chapter 17, uh, there about verse 11, it talks about how there were ten lepers that were found there as Jesus was passing through Samaria, going on his way to Galilee. And it says there that they were standing afar off. We remember how come they were standing afar off because a leper could not have contact. A leper always had to move over to get out of the way of someone that was clean. They were standing afar off. And it says there in verse 13, 
And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Each and every one of us that have come to know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, there was a time in our life when we looked up before a holy God to the Lord Jesus Christ and we've said, have mercy on us, dear Lord Jesus. And that's what these lepers wanted. These lepers wanted to be whole. They wanted to be saved. He says, go show yourselves unto the priest. And there about verse 14 it says, And he came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. Listen, it says they were cleansed. That means they were healed. That means that they came to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, like many of us that are in here today, I believe. Because it goes on, it says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God. Not only with a loud voice did he glorify God, but it says that he fell on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered him and said, Where there were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They're not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. Boy, I'd like to talk a little bit about those nine this morning. Where were there not ten cleansed? Where are those other nine that gave their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ? There's people that come in, they come into this church right here. There's people that walk into the mission. There's people that come into the thrift store that have been led to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you something. Their thankfulness for what God did for them in their lives is not even displayed because truly they're not thankful for the salvation and the grace that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to them. I wonder maybe today if some of us that are sitting here are, 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 are sort of like some of these that are not thankful. We have a lot of folks that are in the house of God, not only in our church, but churches across this country. And, and, and their job, as you've heard me maybe preach before, they're cushion managers. They manage the cushions in these seats to make sure that they work every Sunday. And that's about all they do for the Lord Jesus Christ. They think that showing up for church is, boy, giving Him glory and giving Him honor and praising His holy name by singing. God never meant that to be just kept right here in the house of God. I wondered where were those nine? And only the one came back to serve him. Could it be that maybe some are sitting here today? And maybe you be among the list. I thought about this in Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. If any man come to me and hate his father... And hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brother and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Some strong words there, isn't it? I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe it means we're supposed to hate our mom and dad. I know, it's, I, I, I know that sometimes it's hard not to be angry and hate your children, but it, it didn't mean for us to hate our children. It meant for us that the Lord Jesus Christ was supposed to be first and foremost in our life. And so the Lord says, man, be first. maybe you're one of those ones that's sitting at home with family. Now, I know there's some because of health reasons and things like that that they have to take care. There's those that, we, we, you know, I was driving down Wickham Road and I was thinking, I was looking at all the places that were open today <clears throat> where someone had to miss church if they wanted to go to church 
<clears throat> to be able to have a job and to be able to take care of their family. And you know the reason is, many of us will leave here today and we'll go somewhere and we'll get something to eat. Or we'll figure out that we, we need something for tomorrow and we'll run somewhere. We're the reason that America's doors are opened on Sunday in our businesses and our shops, to be honest with you. But sitting at home, I thought about this the other day. I had a family that was there at the mission. And this lady's always, when she comes in, she asks us to pray for her family. Pray for her son. She has a daughter and two sons. She has one son that's, that, that's lost and one daughter that's lost, she says. I'm not, I'm not judging them. I've never even met them. But here, just a few weeks ago, they came into town and I said, well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to pray that this weekend when they go to the house of God, they hear the word of God preached, the Holy Spirit moves in, touches their heart, and they get saved. You know what she said to me? She says, oh, said, they've never been to Disney World. We're going to Disney World. I said, you're asking me to beg God to save their soul and the opportunity that you have to get them in church? You're going to go to Disney World? See, she's not really thankful for what God's done in her life. She's not really thankful for her church because you know what she's showing right there to, to, to her family? That church just isn't that important to her. One of the things I'll say, if you come to my house on Sunday, I don't care who you are, you're going to go to church or you're going to leave on Saturday night. And I had to say that to relatives one time. I said, how can I explain to my children, if Danielle was up here, I'd bring her up here, she'd give you tips. How can I explain to my children that it's okay for you to stay home from church because they want to stay home with you and them have to go? You explain that one. So either next time you come, you come with you clothes that you're willing to wear to church. I, I, well, I don't have clothes to wear to church. I said, you can wear blue jeans to our church. What you were wearing yesterday, you can wear to our church. Pray for my children. Shows them they're not serious about the church that God gave them. Perhaps one asleep in the garden today. Those that walked with the Lord Jesus Christ, as he went and he asked them to pray, left them there to pray for him, they fell asleep. Too often in our lives, that's where our prayer life is. It's, it's a time that we begin to pray and we find ourselves falling asleep. How would we really do a court? You know, it'd be, it would be my desire that when Christ walked back up or, you know, he looks down, he sees us, everything we do. But if he left me there to pray for him as he went up in the mountain, I, I pray that when he came back, he would see me weeping with tears and, and, and asking God to take care of whatever needed to be taken care of. So often our prayer life is lacking. Maybe they were asleep. one of those nine were asleep in the garden. Perhaps one of them was warming by the devil's fire. There in the book of Luke, chapter 22 and verse 55, And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. So often, here's a man that was trained up by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So listen, I don't care where you've been in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. It can happen to anyone. Sometimes when we get ourselves in line so close to the world, we have to be so very careful or we'll end up as backslidden Christians. And we have to be very careful because as we begin to slide, as our prayer life begins to slide away, as our, our time in the Word of God begins to slide away, we find ourselves, you know what we do? Is we find those that are backslidden from the house of God to usually align ourselves up with. And we'll find ourselves being drawn down by those backslidden Christians. They say, well, today is a good day to go to the beach. Or they got the Remonomus or whatever they call it festival over here. Let's go see them dressed up in old times, I guess. There's always something to do. The park. The vacation. You say, well, Brother Buddy, it's okay to miss the house of the Lord on vacation. I don't know where God said that. He said, assemble yourselves. He didn't say assemble yourselves except for on the special days. You can always find a church almost everywhere you go. I imagine even on a cruise ship, they have a place of worship there. Perhaps one of them went back to the hog pen. You know the story there in chapter 15 of Luke. Man, it was all about the desires of the riches of this world. There are some people that I've heard preach that the prodigal son was a was a Christian, was a saved guy that sort of backslid on the Lord and got away. I believe he was a lost man. But it doesn't matter if he was. The desires of the rich, the desires of things in our lives, those things that mean a lot to us, sometimes that takes the place of our worship and our thankfulness to the Lord God of heaven. Sometimes we get tied up in all that. It's all about my work. It's all about the material life that I want. It's all about what I want to have. Perhaps one of these was in the well's belly right after he got saved or was cleansed, whatever you want to call it. There, Jonah, y'all all know the story. I won't go there. Jonah, let me read one verse. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. I believe if the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, he's probably prepared a great fish to swallow us up. Sometimes it just isn't that great big old whale. It's something else in our lives that we allow to get us captive to the world. But the disobedience right here, the disobedience of not following God in his life is what caused Jonah end up in the belly of the whale. And I'm going to tell you something. Can you imagine being in the belly of that whale? Can you imagine when he pulled up that seashore and spit him out? Can you imagine how bad he stunk? The smell? Man, you drive down the Indian River down here sometimes and you almost throw up. In Alabama, we call that puke. His life stunk. I'm going to tell you something. When we're disobedient to the call on our life that God's given to us, and you say, Brother Buddy, what's my call on life? I don't know. Call to the ministry. I, I, I know people that are struggling today in life. I know I've watched people struggle in life that at one time, maybe as an as 11 or 12 or 17 or 18-year-old at, at an altar somewhere or, or at a children's camp, surrendered their life to preach the Word of God go on a mission field somewhere and they were disobedient to God. Hey, maybe they're in church every Sunday. 
but because of their disobedience to the call that God put on their life. Perhaps it could be the choir. Perhaps it could be teaching over there or teaching a class here. I don't know what it may be. It may, you come here to a work day and there's eight or ten that do the same work over and over and over and over again. Disobedience to the work of God, to the call upon our lives. Well, I'll tell you what. You know how to get out of the fish's belly? Just become obedient to what God has for you to do in your life. Perhaps one was laying up under the Jupiter tree, all discouraged. It says there in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a Jupiter tree and requested for himself that he might die. He said, it's enough now, oh Lord, I can't take it anymore. And here's, here's a guy that just had a, 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 the greatest victory in his life he could probably ever have. And he's de depressed. I, I'm going to tell you something. We have to be very careful in our life. Somebody asked me the other day, it was about two weeks ago. Somebody says, how much time do you put in to preparing a message? I think with this right here, probably about 30 years, maybe 33 there's been times in my life when I've seen God do great and mighty things and I found myself trying to find a Jupiter tree somewhere because I've allowed Satan to come in and take that victory away from me because I haven't just continued on, continued on, continued on. Sometimes we get and we have that victory and all we're doing is looking for somebody to pat us on the back, tell us what good a job we're doing. And when that doesn't happen, especially in the church of God, we find out that, whoo, man, why am I doing this? Nobody appreciates it. They don't care. And it's easy to get depressed. It's easy to get discouragement. Man, discouragement kills the church. I believe this without a doubt in my mind. Discouragement will kill a business. Discouragement will kill a family. I have to be so very careful. And perhaps one was down in Sodom. There in Sodom and Gomorrah. You can go to the book of Genesis chapter 19 and read all about that. We know the story of Lot. We know that he was a born-again believer, if we would call him, if he would be in the New Testament today. But he's living in a backslidden condition. He's living in a world that has eaten him alive. And he has Abram on his side begging God. He says, if it gets down to if there's only 10 righteous left there, would you save them? You know, I thought about this a lot. I wonder if there was just about 10 in Lot's family, and that's why he asked for those 10. Have to be very careful with our walk. Have to be very careful because backslidden living in Christians' lives has crushed. The cause of Christ and crushed the church. Perhaps one had been hypnotized by false religion. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evident set forth, crucified among you. People get mixed, mixed up in all kind of different stuff with the church this day. 
There's all kind of stuff on. I'm going to tell you something. You turn on the TV and, and the radio station stays on 106.3 and sometimes can't hear the TV because the radio is so loud. But I turn on the TV in the morning times, early in the morning times. I turned it on at 2.30 this morning and every channel that I went to just about that had any type of preaching or teaching on there, you know what it was about? Man, I'm going to tell you something. If I'd give $1,000 this morning on three different stations, I'd probably have $3 million by the end of the month. <laughs> See, we, we, we don't get grounded in the Word of God. and We find ourselves... In big trouble there because we get hypnotized by false teachings. Perhaps one was in the graveyard. I take you back to the book of Acts chapter 5. And you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Because they lied before God. Because they kept back what belonged to the Lord God himself, to the Lord Jesus Christ. They ended up in the graveyard. And can I say this this morning? I believe this without a doubt. There's a lot of people that sit in church that talk about Jesus, that know about Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. They don't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Because I believe this is one of those stories where he says that you're a bastard child and you're not mine. And he says, but if you are mine, and, and when I try to correct you, and there was an opportunity, they were given a couple of chances to tell the truth and to do it right. And when they didn't, boom. Because he said, I'm not going to allow you to harm my name. That wasn't in my notes. But the tenth one, he did return to thank the Lord. Both in worship, in praise, and in thanksgiving. And can I say this this morning? We all have something common with all ten of these men. Or most of us do. Most of us know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. All of us in here are afflicted with the disease called sin. Came down by Adam and Eve when they took of that fruit. Each and every one of us were going to die. And we all have no hope short of Jesus Christ and His blood. Where are the other nine? Today I ask, how are you doing in your praise and your thanksgiving to others who I'm supposed to be through, aren't I? That was my introduction. I got three points now. You're the only one that said that, brother, so you stick around and I'll finish them. <laughs> I hope you're ready. I'm going to get through this fast, though. What could we learn from the one that came back? You're still there at Luke 17 and verse 15. It says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed and turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. His thankfulness was published by the way that he worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, well, how good a job are we doing at worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day in our life? And can I say this to each and every one of us? This was public. 
It, it wasn't just in the house of God on Sunday or Wednesday. It wasn't in a prayer closet somewhere. This was public where he was thankful for what the Lord Jesus Christ had done in his life. I'll tell you something, with a loud voice it says there that he glorified God. When's the last time that anybody's ever heard you whooping and wallering and hollering and screaming and all, being thankful for what Christ has done in your life today? Because don't say He doesn't do something in your life each and every day. It's just again, we are so used to being blessed, we don't even think of the blessings of God in our life. Write that down somewhere in your Bible. You need to remember that. He made a spectacle. Says that he fell on his face at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. When's the last time you've been truly down on your knees at the face, your face at the feet of Christ? He was a Samaritan, but he bowed down at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a scene I believe that may have been that day for people to see. What type of scene in our life of the Lord Jesus Christ do people see? Each and every day as we walk. Oh, this one, he was washed in the blood. This one, he glorified the Lord Jesus Christ. But where were the other nine? Oh, what a job are we doing at glorifying Christ? Where are we now? And then you go over to the book of chapter 18 of the book of Luke. It says there was a certain man who was in darkness there. He was a blind man. And he sat there, and as he heard the multitude, hey, listen, the multitude was coming by. Something exciting was happening. When Jesus shows up, something exciting always happens. And Jesus shows up in each and every one of our lives each and every day. We should be excited about what God's doing in our lives. He said, man, what's going on? And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth, there in verse 37, passes by and it says he cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He wanted his attention because he knew that Christ was his only way. He knew Christ was the truth. He knew that Christ would save him and would give him his sight back. Watch out there. Comes verse 39. Here a large sector. Some of you are going to get mad when I say this. Probably shouldn't say it this way. Let me see if I can say it a different way. Mm. A large, a, a, a good portion. I don't know. Let me just say it like I wrote it down. Watch out, a large sector of the church shows up. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. Hey, listen, the way that we live our life, the way that we walk each and every day, the way that we're unthankful, the way that we don't glorify Christ, the way that we don't praise His name, we're just like these people right here. We're rebuking others from coming to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Why do I need to be like... I need to be different than you. I need to be different than you. If we don't live for Christ... That's what that person ought to say. You've heard my testimony time and time and time again. When I was asked, why do I need this Jesus you talk about? There's no difference in my life, in your life. People have to see a difference that Christ makes in their life.
too, too much of our life away from here to tell people that they don't need Christ. But thank goodness Christ was right there. Verse 40 says, And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, That your faith in me has saved you. You receive thy sight through faith. It saved thee is what he says there. In verse 43 is where we see the thankfulness. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto who? The Lord God. All the people. He got all the people so stirred up with his worship and his praise and his thankfulness for the Lord Jesus Christ that the whole crowd around got worked up and were praising the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what people need to see in us. He followed God and people saw him following God. He published his thankfulness by his walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. How well are we doing with our walk with Christ? He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And I'm going to tell you something. Let your walk go with your talk and people will come to know Christ. I promise you that. When they see Jesus in you, when they see you being thankful, when they see you worshiping, when they see you praising, when they see you walking what you're talking about, people will want to have, want to know what changed you and made you different and give you the opportunity to be that fisherman that Christ talked about there. You remember that time when you charged hell with a squirt gun, whether it had water in it or not, after you first got saved? Because you wanted people to have what you have. You were so thankful. Man, you praise the Lord Jesus Christ. You worship the Lord Jesus Christ. I've told you that story when I, I, I'd only been saved maybe a year, year and a half, something like that. And, and I was over there. We were beating on that, trying to beat that iron down. And, and I missed. And I hit. And I mean, blood just went all over the wall. It just split my thumb wide open and all. And I went, thank you, Jesus. Amen. I was with my preacher. My preacher said, how in the world can you do that? I said, well, I don't want to cuss in front of you. But anyway. need to learn how to praise Jesus even when the times are hard. We need to be thankful when even the times are tough. Where were the other nine? Let me tell you something. People want to get saved if they see that you're joyful and thankful and praising Him that saved you. And then we'll go to the dynamic man. Called him Legion because he was full of them. There in Luke chapter 8, you can go read that today. I won't take a bunch of your time. Christ shows up, and can I remind us of this? When Christ showed up, what did, what did Legion say to Christ? What do you have to do with me? What do I have to do with you? See, he knew exactly who the Lord Jesus Christ was. 
There's people that sit in church week after week after week after week after week for years of their life, and they know exactly who Jesus Christ is. They just do not have Him as their personal Lord and Savior because there's never been that commitment. I believe when you're committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be some of those times when you want to fall up under the Jupiter tree, but I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to stay there. You're going to get up, and you're going to get praise Jesus again. You're going to get up and let people see how thankful you are for what Christ did in your life. But we do have those times. says there, Jesus healed him. You know, the devils went in the swine, and there in verse 38 of chapter 8, I'm going to read that, and that's going to be all. It says, Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thy own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city, not part of the city, not just to his house, but it says to the whole city how great things Jesus has done. What can we learn from this story? To praise the Lord Jesus Christ. To be thankful for what Christ did for us. To worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it teaches us there that he published his thankfulness by his witness to his whole community, his whole city. Think back with me, if you would, when you first met Christ. Think back of how you wanted everyone that you knew, even those that you didn't know, you wanted them to have what you had found. You found that peace, you found that joy. You found a place called heaven with a mansion prepared for you. And think about how strong a witness you had become, the boldness that you had for the Lord Jesus Christ. How bold is your witness now? Has there been a witness? Have you been a witness for Christ? You know, I, I use the mission a lot, but the mission is really no different than the church. I see guys come in. I see some of them walk down to this altar right here. I watch them go to a back room, and I watch them uh, dealt with, and I watch them make a prayer to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I watch them go back to the mission and later that day. And I know for some people, it, you don't get saved like I got saved. I mean, he took the bad language away from me. Gosh, man, I could, go to, I could go to a place and be a comedian and, and, and I could sit there and do a monologue and have jokes that were as filthy as could be. I couldn't even remember a joke. Took the desire of drugs and alcohol away from me that day. I know it doesn't always happen with everybody like that, but I watch them as they walk and I never see a change in their walk. I never see a change in their tongue. I never see a change in the desire of their life to read God's Word. I never see a change in their life to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. By the only time you see them worship or praise Jesus is when they've done something real stupid and they get to stay at the mission. They get some grace. And that's really about the only time you see that. And so I say this today. Maybe that might be your walk. Maybe that might be your life. I'm not just talking to the men in the mission. I'm talking to everyone that's sitting here today. Maybe today you 
or like O Legion there, you, you know exactly who Jesus Christ is. You just don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior. If you died right here this moment, because maybe you just said a prayer and you hang on to that prayer, there's not been a change in your life. Maybe today you need to walk down here and let somebody take the word of God and settle that issue in your life today. But I ask this of all Christians right now. When's the last time people really saw you worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ? When's the last time someone outside of these four walls right here saw you praising Jesus for what he's doing in your life? When's the last time people really seen how thankful you are for Christ saving your soul? Maybe today all of us need to stop and truly begin to thank God in our lives. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And I know I've been a little bit longer than I normally am. But I'd ask you today with heads bowed and eyes closed. We had a guy that was full of demons there that knew exactly who Jesus was when he walked up on him. But he didn't know Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And maybe you're standing there today and you say, Brother Buddy, if I died this moment, I'm not 100% sure heaven would be my home. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to say anything to you. But would you raise your hand and say, Brother Buddy, would you pray for me today? I'm not certain heaven would be my home if I died this moment. Anybody at all say, pray for me. I see a hand going up. I see another hand going up. Anybody else? Another hand going up. Another hand going up. Anybody else? Say, I'm going to pray for you. And this morning, Christian, you're standing there, heads bowed, eyes closed. No one's looking at you. But does your life really reflect the praise and the honor and the glory that the Lord Jesus Christ deserves?